Hello and welcome to the Manifest Image podcast. The 20th century marked a change in the arts. No longer waiting to be retrospectively defined by critics and historians, writers such as F.T. Marinetti, Tristan Sara and André Breton took their identities into their own hands. In their respective groups, they laid out their thoughts in structured art theories and released them in a range of artistic manifestos. On this podcast, we pick apart these manifesto-led movements, including the artists behind them and the works they produced. I'm Thomas Greengrass. And I'm Ariel de la Garza. And today, we're also joined by Aaron Yenke. Hello. What did you think of that, Thomas? Beautiful. <laughs> Composed by our esteemed guest, Aaron Ginger. What's, oh. its, what's its name, Aaron? Um, um, great question. I, I think it's going to be titled... Great question. I love it. That's an excellent title. Excellent title. Yeah. Is it semicolon? I think it's going to be... Is that also part of the title? Yeah. That's it. That's lovely. Thank you for yeah, that. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> thank smashed. you for having me. So today we're looking at the art of. Oh, really? Is it really? No, no, no. Think of, it, think of it as charity. We're giving Aaron some time to think about it. Right. The question will will come back at some other point. Yeah, um, yeah. In the podcast. I I, I hope the the uh, audience wants more value for their time. So. So the art of noises, a futurist manifesto. It's by Luigi Russolo, who is uh, better known as a painter and who we've talked about as a painter before. Um, Thomas is a big fan of his, of his painting Il Profumo, despite critical attention um, deeming it not a very good painting. But it, it, is, a, it is a good they painting. They have no it's idea what they're talking about, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Um, it's, it's a lovely painting. So this was first published on the 13th of March, 1913 as an independent leaflet. Um, we are looking at the translation by Lawrence Rainey, although there is a translation by Carolyn Tisdale that we've also consulted, yep. uh, only to find that at times people do what they will with the manifestos, and <laughs> yeah. uh, it gets a little bit difficult There's one to see. section of this manifesto in particular, The Art of Noise of Futures Manifesto, that it has it lists these six families of noises and they are very general they are rather uh, difficult to pin down we will get words like buzzes and murmurs and mumbles and grumbles and you're thinking well how are you translating that uh, and it i was wondering whether they actually would have like buzzes perhaps in a different section and this is exactly what happens um so, yeah, uh, take the, that section. If you do read this manifesto, take that bit with a pinch of salt. It's not the most interesting section. Mm-hmm. It's very Benthamite, just listing random stuff and hoping for the best. As you can tell, Thomas is reading Jeremy Bentham at the moment. Um, yeah. Mm. What else can one do? Um, there are also some wonderful uh, recordings of um, works by Luigi Russolo, by another Russolo also, and uh, by Pratella, who we've talked about before, um, in The Art of Noises. All that information will be, as with everything else, in the description down below. Mm. 
It's called Musica Futurista. Mm-hmm. And also check it out for uh, original recordings of Marinetti, also reading out sections of his poetry. And if you and have it loud enough, your neighbors will think you're listening to Mussolini speeches and reminiscing about the good old days. Yeah, so they are strong. They are intense. Yeah. <clears throat> Little minor structure? Please, Thomas. Go, go on with your pithy summary. Yeah, this, uh, this again, we've actually wandered into slightly more serious summaries. But um, yeah, uh, it, it, the structure of it is this. It begins as a plea or almost a commission uh, with, uh, as a letter. Um, Rousselot comes out with, you know, dear, dear Pratella, this great futurist composer, and then besieges him, please produce work that's like this. So that's the structure of it. It's, it's, it's directed, addressed to Pratella. Um, and and it's requesting him, listen, I've got this new idea, The Art of Noises. Rousselot is very clear and very honest by the end of it. He says, listen, I'm not a musician. I'm not a composer. I've got nothing to lose. If this is all nonsense, fine, so be it. But please, if you think that this is useful, go with it and see what you can produce. It's not clear whether Pratella really did go very far with this kind of stuff. Uh, Rousselot himself would eventually start building a lot of noise machines. Uh, these would be his unique kinds of instruments. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, in terms of the, going back to the structure now briefly, uh, starts off with, with this plea or commission uh, addressed to uh, uh, Pratella. It then has a very brief theory of noise and history of music and noises, uh, going back to the ancient Greeks, looking at the tetrachord that was the basis of their musical system. And he thought he, he, he says that uh, at that point, it unfolds in time. Mm. That's how music... It only works along a y-axis. It's singular. It's uh, across one plane. But then slowly, later on, we move towards the chord, and we suddenly start to get a, uh, 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 an x-axis going on. And uh, suddenly uh, we then move from consonance to dissonance. And at that point we then have the art of music summarised and then the introduction of noise sound and how we are moving towards noise sound and that we then get these very brief uh, 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 statements that roughly muse- the development of music mirrors and parallels the development of technology and machines and that modern music is fundamentally a complex polyphony variety of orchestral timbre and dissonant chords and the next logical step is noise sound or uh, or noise music uh, or noise music we need to move into this infinite variety of noise sound and so we want uh, brand new instruments that can uh, take advantage of this, uh, but that will be harmonically and rhythmically structured. So he's not interested in just any old random Mm -hmm. sounds together. He actually does want there to be some sort of logic behind it. And uh, he'll come up with several points about what he thinks noises really are, which we'll get into later. Like he thinks Mm -hmm. they have a primary or central or dominant tone or chord or note. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's not as heavy as the preceding ones. It's not as heavy. We'll, we will have a recap a little bit later on to see where the novelty of this is. Um, it, perhaps it's worth mentioning, bringing Aaron in, um, some of the people this influenced. Yes, definitely. Um, influenced a lot of people. Um, notable ones would be 
um, Igor Stravinsky, who apparently wanted to use one of um, Rousseau's instruments uh, in a piece of his, which never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, it also influenced uh, John Cage, um, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> and I would also like to highlight Pierre Schaffer, who mm-hmm. is kind of... He could be seen as the first person to use samples, which are widespread today when you have some sort of a sound, maybe from another piece of music, already recorded, and then you just reuse it um, mm-hmm. in different tones or pitches. Um, and he was kind of the first person to record those and use those. Um, so these three, but arguably many more. Do we have a... a well, one of the, if you could look it up on the wiki, they list Adamant on there. Um, yeah. I did try to follow this up. I'm not quite sure where this comes from. I've been unable to trace it, but um, suppose the Adam and as well. But also, when are, when is the samples? When is that happening with Pierre Schaefer? Seventies? No, 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 no. Much earlier, like the second half of the forties. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. He set up a studio with the French broadcasting company at mm-hmm. the time, which I'm not sure how it was called. Um, but yeah, he was pretty much a pioneer and he also used very industrial sounds at first and then later speech as well. Um, today you can, again, literally find samples just in any piece of modern music, notably hip hop and house, which I assume could be also an offspring of what Rusolo tried to achieve back then. Yeah, that's, that's massive. It, in a way it's, it's probably one of, um, my note is it, it's probably one of the most enduringly influential manifestos that we've looked at so far. Um, there's a music of noise, like that that directly kind of continues. So there's a this noise music is still maybe maybe not as popular as it was in the '90s or '80s, but it's still a quite a big thing. Um, people still do it, and it, it's it's practically. I mean, I'm sure it's different from exactly what Rusolo was talking about, but it's pretty continuous um, in a way that, that is pretty pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. It's strange, because, I, yeah, I, uh, it almost mirrors a lot of, if you listen to certain uh, cityscapes and soundscapes that people will record for perhaps, uh, say, you know, avant-garde films and things like that, mm-hmm. like little student productions. <laughs> Except- <laughs> you know, <not>. Wow. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Well, Several filmmakers yeah. killed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, but in, in some ways, Rousselot is actually a little bit more advanced because he actually does maintain that no, no, there well, still says, should be yeah. tempo, there should sure. be harmony, there should be rhythm. He actually does. One of the big things about his noise instruments is that they, they are not to be just, you know, oh, I'm recording a random sound. He wants to actually alter the pitch, he wants to have control over it. He does actually want to make instruments that are. are, are can actually achieve a lot mm-hmm. in terms of sound. So, yeah, and there's even a little section of this manifesto where he explains, hey, here's how to do it. Here's how to make your own, or the basis of making your own uh, 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 futurist noise machine, a uh, noise instrument. And boy, did they ever. Yeah. Oh, well, we listened to some again before this. And yeah. uh, what did you think? We've mentioned this already in the preceding two, but... Uh, I mean, some are, are some are, are pretty horrible mm-hmm. to listen to. Um, Not to listen to with <laughs> a headache, right? It, yeah, no. I mean, it, it, it sounds it sounds like the type of music you'd overlay you'd you'd overlay um, 
on a montage of a very hungover man trying to go, get through his day, you know. Exactly, it's an like avant-garde chiseling. student film. Exactly. Yeah. But, but some are some are pretty wonderful. I mean, some are are quite. I mean, it, maybe the stuff that still uses some other instruments, mm-hmm. um, and it might be a little difficult to tell given how horrible the recording quality is of the very very early stuff, like from the twenties. Um, it, it really is. It has so much distortion that it, it sounds like you're recording it from under a water, from like from a pool. Yeah. So it, it's it's hard to tell exactly what people were hearing. Um, but but yeah, I, um, what what did you think, Aaron? I, I think that effect of hearing it from under a pool was actually part of the thing. Wow. Or that's my takeaway at least. Sure. Um, but uh, speaking of the manifesto, I think. In a way, it was maybe less revolutionary than Pratella's because he was just straight dismantle everything about harmony mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah. Here, he actually wants to take noise and structure it. Um, sure. Which is an interesting concept. And yeah, as, as you already mentioned, it pretty much carries uh, on today. So I don't know. Some of my favorites could be described as noise with, with drums. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's, yeah, again hugely influential. Um, well, what do you make, perhaps is a good place to start before we dive into some of the more nitty-gritty of what he actually means by noise sound, uh, perhaps what do you think of his, uh, his you know, very soft theory of music, of noise rather, and music, and also his history? Because uh, we got the same, a similar thing from Pratella in some of the earlier ones. But, you know, here we're looking at uh, how... Roughly until the 19th century, in the invention of sort of, you know, you know uh, these metal machines in a, in a widespread way, life is silent. He says, he says, and that really, apart from the occasional uh, event in nature, nature is silent. You know, it's only with earthquakes or tsunamis, it's or th- or, uh, or thunder, which are depending on where you live, they're atypical events. So he's going that, no, 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 nature is fundamentally silent. It's only occasional. It's really that modern life, it's the acceptance of the machine age, of the technical age, the post-industrial age, that we suddenly are surrounded by noise and noise pollution. And I think people in one sense will agree with this because we do talk about light pollution and noise pollution today, and they certainly would have done then. So maybe that's not too controversial what do we think with that first, this first idea? Life you mean, you mean silence? It, 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 I mean, it's not silent, no? I mean, it, there are plenty of natural noises. Well, he says, but he thinks that they're atypical. So he lists, uh, you know, the exceptional moments. Like right. Earth no, surface, but, no, but, hurricane but, but, but storms, I mean, avalanches, waterfalls. I mean, n- not those, not those only. No. I mean, and also waterfalls, I don't know how they're atypical. I guess. But if you don't on, live next to one. On where you live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't live next to one. Um, if you live in Cornwall, but it's but I mean, it, I, think it, I think it is broadly true that that uh, life is much noisier today than it used to be. Yeah. Um, even even now, it might be noisier. I, I might be wrong, and I should probably check this before saying it in, into the world. But um, I think that Our it is it is in fear. fact noisier today than even back then. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Well, the fact that, I mean... The amount of cars, uh, trucks, construction is a lot noisier today than it used to be. Yeah. But see, I also think that uh, in terms of how our f- things like our phones, like we can constantly listen to music or to videos or to podcasts. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. That's uh, why everyone's and, deaf. Yeah. 
And, and so, you know, we're constantly surrounded by music. We have music in our pockets. We have noise in our pockets. We have music in every shop and coffee shop and store. It's a lot. You know, people used to talk about how music was actually quite difficult to listen to in the past. You either had to actually go to some sort of music venue or perhaps one or two or a few of your family or, or friends and that to your extended family could perhaps play an instrument and maybe you could sing occasionally. But, But otherwise, sure. it's not, whereas today, I mean, people listen to their albums, they listen to Spotify, they listen yeah. to YouTube. It's, you know, it's so easy today. Which they, which they didn't do back then. No. So back, back then they... People they even had, had music going on in the background because they, oh, I can't sure. work if I don't have music going on or some sort of sound going sure. on. But I mean, back then they didn't have that. They just had no. noise. Exactly. They just yeah. had the, this new advent of, of machine noise that was around. So perhaps that's a good way of actually trying to actually see how noise could be so revolutionary and interesting. The fact that you have got that, when you do get those buzzes and chains, you might think, well, that's a curious sound. Aaron's, Aaron's frowning. Aaron's frowning. Thank Wait, you. Why um, are you frowning, Aaron? <clears throat> yes, I'm just a bit confused um, on the point here then, because it seems that he wants to confirm to whatever is surrounding us, uh, in a sense, mm -hmm. but also doing something that is um, like non-conformist by bringing noise in as music. Um, mm -hmm. I had a point with this. I'm not sure what it was. Um, so let's just leave it at that. Yeah, we can we can waffle about it. Is it the fact that it's too? Is it perhaps it's too structured? I, I have my no, no. Um, so because I traced up some later influences in the Soviet Union, sorry, people influenced by him, and mm -hmm. there the idea was to kind of dismantle this barrier, uh, sorry, barrier between art. Uh, and everyday life. So music mm -hmm. would just become... It would cease to exist as a concept because as you walk down these industrialized cities, you would just hear music and you yourself would be a musician as you work on these heavy machinery and... That, that's, ex that's exactly what he's saying. Hmm. That's exactly what he's saying. Whoa, yeah. hold on. No, Is no, no. I, I, yes, I think it's exactly what he's saying. He, he, has, a, he has a bit... Because he says that he doesn't, he's not interested in just copying the sounds of the city. No, he's not interested in copying the sounds of the city, but he is interested in... Uh, I, as, uh, so I think the, the way... I, the, I think the best way to understand his music is, like Aaron said, right? it, it's as a kind of... An industrial cacophonous. I, I I guess it's like a way of. So okay, so it's it's kind of trying to do the same thing. Here here is the thought. It's kind of like trying to do the same thing that music did in the past, um, where before there were these different noises, and then we figure out, we kind of distill like tones right from the different noises in the world, mm -hmm. and that's what we have, and that's what we like, and that's what we were working with, right? Is these distilled tones. Is what he's saying. But then time goes on and I guess we get bored of those distilled tones and we discover noise again. And we want to take that noise and not distill tones, but kind of distill noisy tones that are, that are distill interesting noise somehow. So that's kind of the same thing, right? But that now our environment is fast moving and, you know, violent and bubbling and industrial And we have to make music for that cacophonous, noisy, messy lifestyle. That's, I think, what he's, what he's, what he's into. Yes, but so also... So, for, for them, it's 
to do away with music altogether because this is it's I guess been substituted. No, but no, 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 no for, for for the Soviets. Oh, um, sort of yes. I mean, hmm. I guess they always were somewhat wary of arts as a bourgeois, non necessary thing. Um, also, quite interestingly, it was useful for them because they couldn't produce as many instruments um, as like the proletariat would have needed. So, <laughs> win, win. very convenient, right? Just like yeah, yeah. the ascension um, of acupuncture in China because of the lack of medical yeah yeah aid. But um, yeah, so actually, there, this is this is the um, this is an interesting. Uh, it's the eighth declaration. Yeah, um, that I think is a, it's a good moment to read it because we haven't read any of any of the text yet, no. just to support the argument. Um, we therefore invite young musicians of talent and audacity to listen continually and carefully to all noises in order to understand the various rhythms that go into their making, their principal tone, and their secondary ones. Then, by comparing their various timbres with those of sounds, they will be persuaded how much more numerous are the former than the latter. This will not only give us an understanding of noises, but also a taste and a passion for them. Our multiplied sensibility, having already been conquered by the eyes of futurists, will at last have futurist ears. In this way, the motors and machines of our industrial cities will one day be able to, conscious, to be consciously attuned so that every factory will be made into an intoxicating orchestra of noises. And I put... I, I can, mm -hmm. Yeah, I see exactly that. And my note there was, is this serious... Is this literal or metaphorical? <laughs> right. Uh, only to that last bit. <laughs> and you can't... Uh, the core of disagreement, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, reason, uh, the reason that I was, I'm a little bit dubious about this is because he, he's very clear that he doesn't, he doesn't think... This is actually one of the big points. is that music, uh, this art of noises, because he uses this phrase, art of music, art of noises. It's, I think the art here, the artistry, is the fact that it is structured. Uh, because why else should he use this this phrase, the art of something, the art of noises, the art of music? He, he does use, it. but he says it, one, it should not be mimetic. It should sure. not actually just copy life. Um, and in fact, one of the earlier declarations, it uh, will, it's six. It will not be through a succession of yeah. noises imitating those of life, but through a fantastic combination of the various timbres and rhythms that the new orchestra will achieve. The newest. Uh, will achieve the newest and most complicated oral emotions. For that purpose, every instrument will have the possibility of varying its pitch or near uh, extended range. Yeah, and so it's because of that, because he actually thinks it's not just random noises. So this is why it's different to like the cityscape things that people do today, but what where is, they just can't... He wants sure. to make machines that are instruments. But what is then the difference between that and a factory? I mean, the factory has machines that make noises. Yeah, but they don't vary in pitch. No, they, they do. Uh, not or to the same degree. they could be made. They could be made to. They could be made, but he doesn't say... And sometimes that he, some of them do. I mean, if you have some kind of an engine that has gears, that varies in pitch. True. True. You could hope for that. And also, uh, they have the possibility of varying their pitch. They need not always be varying pitch. It could be a concerted chord, I guess. A factory chord. Yeah, but also because he doesn't, because he does, he does seem to very explicitly reject the idea of no, no, it's not just any old noises. There is artistry to it, mm -hmm. um, and uh, let's, 
Yeah, no, this this yeah, it's, he not, wants... it's not a, it's, it's it's not found noises that he's into. No, he's not. But I Excellent think phrase. they yes. would like. I think they would like the idea of a machine of a factory as an orchestra. I have a feeling that they would love it. I think so. I think you're, yeah. you're, you're, that's that's correct. I think mm-hmm. that's right. Um, but it certainly isn't what is already happening. We have to kind of if we're charitable to him. Mm-hmm. Give that to him. That's why I thought, like, is this literal or metaphorical? Does he actually want this? Because at one point he's saying, no, I don't want it to copy life. It shouldn't just be found noises, as you say. Sure. It should actually be, you know, structured. And I think also, I mean, uh, given that we've followed on from uh, the first two manifestos of, one was the first manifesto of futurist musicians and then the technical manifesto of futurist musicians, where... Pratella writes that when it comes to things like the opera libretta, mm-hmm. uh, 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 oh, sorry, libretta, um, that uh, this should be written, this uh, extended poem and this powerful, tragic poem, should be, that should be made by the composer, not by someone else. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear anything about you know, partnerships or whatever. He's rejecting that. So there's a very strong sense of, of, uh, of uh, a creative mind behind it hmm. as opposed to just... Um, mm things happening by accident. Mm. But you're absolutely right in terms of him, because uh, he has another section, which I really liked, actually, um, because uh, uh, he anticipates this objection, um, saying that, you know, it's no good saying that noise is simply loud and disagreeable to the ear. It seems to be pointless to enumerate all the graceful and delicate noises that afford pleasure, uh, pleasant acoustic sensations. Um, and he says that, you know, you know, we see this all the time, but that let us wander through a great modern city with our ears more alert than our eyes, and we shall find pleasure in distinguishing the rushing of water, gas or air in metal pipes, the purring of motors that breathe and pus, uh, pulsate with indisputable um, animality, the throbbing of valves, the pounding of pistons, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, to me, almost read like a, like a drinks tasting like a wine or whiskey or beer tasting, where mm-hmm. you go like, oh, do you hear that sound coming out of that pipe? Yes, the yes. purring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, purring. That, is that gas or water, do you think? <laughs> what do you think? And so that, I thought that that was curious. And there is also something else that he deals with here, um, which is that he says that ultimately music should be pleasurable. Mm-hmm. He says music, the pur- unlike Marinetti, who's going like with his words in freedom by the end of it, who wants to make this bridge, this gap to... Uh, the sensation of machines um, and of metal and electricity. You've got Rousselot here who actually is kind of open to, yeah, no, the pleasurable sensation, just basic psychological but things. But is it, is it that it should? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Or, you say that? I mean, yeah. just look at what he did. <laughs> well, well, well. That kind of defies his point of... Yeah, uh, I don't think he says that, that it... I think he says that noise can... Afford pleasurable sensations. No, uh, uh, um, um, at least in the in the. I think reading. I think I think that. I mean, uh, we are convinced that by selecting, coordinating, controlling noises, we shall enrich mankind with a new and unexpected pleasure of the senses. So he is, but he says one more thing. A new thing. and unexpected pleasure of the senses yeah. does not imply music ought to be pleasurable. Does it not? No, I don't think so. Because the only other thing that I he says he, about he it is that it should be imaginative. Because he, he says that it shouldn't be just mimetic, it should be imaginative. True. So he's got this intuitive thing. That is wants it to be big intuitive, things. but it, again, doesn't have to be... It, I mean, it, he, he also says that the art of noises will achieve its greatest emotional power in acoustic pleasure itself. Yeah. So I think he has a, a, some sort of 
not but a I simple don't think it, hedonism. It has to be necessarily. I mean, it, it, it is futurist. It, well, if so, it would be yeah. a, a significant departure. Yes. I think from any other futurist endeavor. I don't think that's. I think so. Because there's other moments where he talks about this as, as being quite violent. That's not pleasurable. I think he wants, he wants everyone to develop this new sensibility to the point where going to a horrible, noisy factory would be lovely. Yeah, right? I we think so. would be exalted and... I, I, I mean, guess. you heard his music. Yeah, it's... It, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. Absolutely god awful. Well, it, it is <laughs> a terrible noise. It really is certainly bad. unpleasant. Oh. We are old. Except for Aaron. Aaron's very um, hip. Thanks. Um, no, but I agree. I think that's what he wants to achieve. To because I think the whole argument starts with saying how limited the orchestras at the time were. We had like mm-hmm. brass instruments, um, woodpipe instruments, strings, and some percussive stuff, and that's it. And I think he just wants to bring in something new um, that then could be used to produce the same sort of pleasure that you would get from music but he also he also fits in that timeline that Thomas uh, described at the beginning that it started from um, just um, he starts with the Greeks tetrachord yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. and then you you kind of added intention with chords and polyphony and whatever now it's dissonant sounds and the next step of that would be noise and I I'm not sure if we thought people at the time would think this is pleasurable, but I feel today you can find it pleasurable that you mm. wouldn't really appreciate back then. Yeah, we can actually give the full list of that. He says that currently, the, this is actually one of his major points uh, that uh, in this uh, uh, manifesto that the orchestra is fundamentally ill-equipped in its present state. That it consists of bow, plucked instruments... And percussive instruments, those are the families that he lists uh, mm-hmm. for the present state of the orchestra. And it's interesting to see how the orchestra actually changes over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be beyond the scope of our present podcast to actually go through that. But I will add this in, um, because it does change according to practical necessity. But uh, there's, there was a Tchaikovsky orchestra that consisted uh, of, as well as those instruments, a cannon. Wow. Yeah, so they, it, it was not the unheard of. The yeah. sure it is. I think it is. So yeah, so if Tchaikovsky's got a cannon, maybe it's not so crazy for Rousselot to start adding in his god-awful rotating s- cylinders. It, it, it really feels, because the way he speaks here, and also that he says he isn't a musician and therefore can't really make any of this come true, mm. um, it would have been interesting to hear what kind of thing he had in mind. Almost. <laughs> Well, he describes... He describes <laughs> Aaron, mo- doesn't, yeah. Aaron doesn't think so. Yeah. Well, we heard him. We did. Yeah. I mean, he describes modern music, as I said. Uh, you know, he thinks that in its present state, it was complex polyphony, a variety of orchestral timbres, and dissonant chords. Mm-hmm. And yet he's just trying to push that further. And his major thing, why does, what is his big thing about noise sound? It's really the timbre. He, he says that, uh, that that seems to me his, his, his biggest thing, that the problem with musical sound, this is me uh, mm-hmm. quoting, on the other hand, is it's too limited in its qualitative variety of timbres. It's, you know, it's reduced to four or five classes of instruments differing in timbre. He, he wants yeah. to expand that. He thinks it's just not, not got that interesting variety. And so that seems to me to be the, the actual most significant thing. He just doesn't think that your instruments are actually sufficient for, well, then contemporary ears. 
to excite them. He thinks that you're just bored. He even has this Humean bent where he draws these associations. He says, even pure sound, which is meant to be uh, uh, to, to just be crisp and to have this uh, sweet succession, it's just boring now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It, it triggers <coughs> malaise in you before you've even heard it. You think, oh, oh, it could depress you. No, definitely. He, for instance, we can hardly observe that enormous uh, that enormous apparatus of forces represented by the modern orchestra without feeling the deepest disappointment at its petty acoustic achievements. Is anything more ridiculous than the sight of 20 men furiously bent on redoubling the meowing of a violin? <laughs> that is a great one, actually. Because he's just looking at all the energy that's going into it, the passion, the, the force, and yet it's just 20 guys just going over. Yeah. Nothing compared yeah. to an engine. No, yeah, yeah, nothing like an engine. Make sure that your bow arm is steady. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm interested a little bit in um, what, what Aaron was saying earlier, that this pre... That's not, that's not how that word works. That this anticipated um, house, for example. Um, well, as far as I'm correct, like house kind of came from the idea of machinery and factories doing mm-hmm. this monotone and rhythmic... Mm-hmm. Um, work and then that just kind of sparked this movement like hmm it's interesting because it started in the states um as opposed to like the soviet union where they also had very interesting stuff i have to Mm. highlight arzeny avrayamov's um symphony symphonies of sirens um which was played in the port of baku on the 7th of November 1922 to commemorate the 5th anniversary of the Great Revolution. Um, and it included um, fuck horns of the entire Caspian fleet, artillery guns, regiments with machine gun divisions, um, hydroplanes, factory sirens, and a torpedo boat. Mm. Um, wow. <laughs> Take that, so, Tchaikovsky. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, they kind of had this stuff, but no, it, it started in the States, but the idea was the same thing, like kind of represent the, um, the lower class working men and yeah. their, you know, day-to-day lives. Yeah, um, they're torpedo boats. They're torpedo boats. <laughs> <laughs> the daily, daily working men's <laughs> torpedo boats and yeah. hydroplanes, yeah. And another interesting thing on that, like this is completely like a side, yeah. sideline thing, but um, when the great um, blackout in New York City happened, um, like working class um, were kind of able to steal some of these drum machines that were for high-end producers and that really gave like a like a serious kick to the genre because wow. now now people didn't know what to do with these things like, started playing around yes and and it and it created arguably more influential stuff than what people who were trained how to use these high-end expensive machines could do at the time so um interesting so by sort of second or third order dissemination, you know, these, these ideas are influential. Perhaps people haven't heard of the art of noises, but they will have heard of the person who'd heard of the thing. And who then, so you've got this kind of chain, a few links back. Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe now it's best to move on, straight, unless you want to say, as you want to lead on with something else, or should we just go on more precisely with some more theories about noise sound? I'm more than happy to move on, because, yeah. Yeah, noise sound. I don't sound. have a point here. 
So, nice. Okay. Good. Uh, we've we've mentioned the timbre <laughs> already. So he thinks that's, that's a big thing. You know, the orchestra is just fundamentally not equipped at this moment. And this is actually, by the way, I know we're not going to go into this, but if you actually trace this back, it makes a lot of sense. You know, the orchestra does move. You had certain instruments come and go sure. because of uh, uh, you know whether you could hear them or not. Yeah. So there is actually a very the harp practical. Support, I mean, yeah. all these different things. So some things you you know have fallen out of fashion just because you couldn't hear the damn things, and so and then other times they thought let's get more complicated instruments going on. Or they're, uh, or, they're too uh, they're too restrictive in different ways. And yeah, that. and whether you can blend the sounds together, but and uh, yet the triangle remains. <laughs> the triangle <laughs> remains. Uh, but uh, uh, probably the, the the other big thing that he has to say about uh, noise sound as, as a theoretical entity is that uh, it has a dominant sound. Or a, domi- a dominant chord, or a yeah. dominant uh, a note. Um, so he thinks that actually there are a variety of sounds within it that you could pick apart, but that how can you make a noise that seems to have like lots of things going on? He thinks, no, 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 there is a predominant one, and you can then use that as the basis for your more structured polyphony. Is that, um, is that true? Uh, not necessarily. Mm. Um, so, well, theoretically... You could create any sound by adding sine waves uh, mm-hmm. of different frequencies. Uh, just any sound theoretically is composed of these sine waves. Um, so, oh well, where do we go with this? Um, <laughs> I know. Well, if <laughs> it's just if it's just straightforward, that you can actually say, well, it's not actually right empirically. You know, well, it's, it's a, not broken no. out. If you try to isolate it, then it I doesn't guess a, quite work like that. Like you could isolate. So the how how it works with like traditional instruments is you have a dominant lowest frequency, which mm-hmm. would determine the um, the pitch that is actually playing. But then you have all the harmonies, whatever, etc. But for example, when you have something like white noise, it's just all the frequencies on the scale at a similar level. So there is no predominant tone. Right. It's um, completely but could random you say noise. That, but could yeah. you then argue that that's a unique kind of chord? Because he said well, very clearly, every the, noise the has a is... note, sometimes even a chord that predominates in the ensemble of irregular vibrations. The problem would then be, are there there would be no secondary ones. Because the whole thing is that actually one of the reasons he's interested in it is it seems to give him enough structure, which again is kind of, you know, by words in freedom, Marinetti wants to move away from a lot of structure. Uh, oh, sorry, no, but, but, but that's, we won't, we'll get to that later. Um, but it seems to give what he wants in terms of enough structure to create a melody out of it and ultimately a polyphony where you can have several mele- uh, uh, independent m- m- melodic uh, lines going on. But then also has that variety of pitches which can give him that kind of intensity and interesting sensation that he's looking for. It's not the pure sound that's so boring to him. Could he try that? If we were I mean, I, 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 the, I, I guess. Option but, of the white noise? But if it is noise, then it's proper noise. I mean, when it's white noise, it, there's not no... Is that really how white noise is defined? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's just... Don't quote me on it, but no. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty certain. <laughs> Don't worry, it's only going on a podcast that we yeah, put yeah, online. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. But yeah, I'm, I'm assuming... <laughs> I'm assuming it's, it's noise. Um, in, in, yeah. Like what he means by noise here, like is not what factory machinery that it, probably would have a lowest frequency that you could mm. kind of focus onto and then change mm. the pitch. So, but it's also not that straightforward. Um, 
but okay so it's not as straightforward because you might not necessarily be able to let's say you have a an engine you could not necessarily pitch it to just have like a very defined and pristine um, C sharp yeah. mm -hmm. uh, but also I take that's not what he wants to do he just wants to make it more or less regulated in some sort of a, well in some, in some kind of way exactly, to be able yeah. to make compositions out of yeah, it yeah, in, yeah. Some, in some form and that seems possible possible yeah. I mean you, you, I guess you can accentuate something or mess with it until it, it sounds distinct from something else which I guess is all you really need to make a composition is different things Perhaps we should just read out that small section, and that also it. leads us into mm -hmm. uh, the creation of instruments like that. So mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, because of the predominate, uh, predominating characteristic note, it is possible to attune it or to assign a certain noise, not just a single pitch, but a variety of pitches, without losing mm -hmm. its characteristic quality. So it can have the dominant one, whilst there are also these secondary, less dominant uh, ones um, that give him this intensity, mm -hmm. as I understand it. But... Um, but then he says, it's characteristic quality, by which I mean it's timbre. Thus certain noises produced by rotary motion can offer an entire ascending or descending chromatic scale if the speed of the motion is increased or decreased. So this is the first uh, 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 you know, time he introduces how to actually start to build some of these machines. He will go into it a little bit more later, but... Uh what do we think of that? So he, he, there's actually a practical element. It's not just about composers. Sure, sure, sure. He actually is trying to say, yeah, very basic theory on how to actually make musical instruments, these noise instruments, these noise machines, that you can then have some limited control over. It's, it's sound. Yeah, it's yeah. sound. It is sound, yeah. I guess I, the way I understand this is a, a bit... I guess he wants to live in a world where, I, as the futurists do, kind of, and this reminds me a little bit of um, something Thomas was saying earlier, or, or later, based on when this episode is released. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Whoa. Crazy, huh? Time really mm -hmm. gets weird in podcast land. Um, that, that there is a deep dissatisfaction with art um, at the core of a lot of futurist theorizing and that this is their attempt to revitalize something that they once found very nourishing but that is is kind of dry and impotent for them now um, that just simply can't do what they would want it to which would be something along the lines of inflaming lyrical passions or something like this mm. and I think Rousseau wants to walk around in a world of pure art and I think all of these people do so that all of the noises for Rousseau would be, in some way, almost kind of a symphony um, in different moments. Or that you could kind of attune yourself into different noises and, and hear music out of the, the very world all around you. Um, it's like really trying to put enchantment back into everything. Of course, then there's a composer, right, that makes these things into proper compositions and that, that then in the has, fullest is a creative sense, yeah. yeah in the fullest sense but, but there's a sense of that um, yeah that's alright yeah because he does he's still happy to like listen to like the, as we were saying is yeah. that what, is that the water or gas that's from that pipe and uh, mm -hmm. but no so when it comes to the noise as a primary a predominant sound um, we're not sure whether that's accurate or not it seems dubious mm -hmm. 
So we have to be careful. I guess you if cannot do it perfectly in no. many cases, but like even like in in the in the orchestra, drums wouldn't really have a specific pitch to them. Um, but you can still tune a drum. So, but he's he again. He is looking for secondary sounds as well. So maybe it's not as bad. That's, well, that's he likes the secondary sounds. That's the that's the whole thing about white noise. Is if there is aren't any secondary sounds, it's just a predominant yeah. chord that but you could potentially make. To, a to bit. me, that's that's kind of where it's it becomes problematic because anything, unless you are listening to a pure sine wave, would have secondary sounds to it. That's what gives the timbre. So. In, in very basic terms, you have the fundamental tone, which is the loudest and lowest um, of the frequencies, but then why you hear um, the difference between a violin and a piano is yeah. exactly because of those secondary sounds. Mm -hmm. So even with a classical... Which he says. Even with the same say, note. You know, yeah. to assign yeah. a certain noise is not to just... But have, with a variety of pitches without losing its characteristic quality, by which I mean timbre. Yeah. So he's actually happy with that. Yes, but, but I guess even then the... it might be more impossible than he'd like it to be. Is I think mm. the, the issue or not? No, 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 no. no. Like, I, yeah. I just wanted to like point out that you know doing these things would be possible with a classical orchestra. So it's not his primary issue. I think the primary issue here is that the secondary timbers are not varied enough um, mm. in a classical orchestra. So he just wants to bring in some new stuff instead of like playing the piano differently, like <laughs> kicking it or... Now I think we should address something that a lot of people who've looked at this manifesto will notice, it's the table. Mm -hmm. The six families of noises in the Futurist Orchestra that he announces, which I've already suggested I do not think is worth very much. Uh, no, but I mean, roughly, What's yeah, it's strange. So just to give you a, I don't know if I'll read the whole thing, but give you a, a bit of an idea. Yeah, you'll see what I mean. So the first family, rumbles, thunderings, explosions, crashes, splashes, and booms. The second, whistles and hisses and snorts. The third, whispers and murmurs and mutters and buzzes and gurgles and scuffles. Okay. Yeah. Four, screeches, creaking, rustles, throbs, crackles, scuffles. Five. Noises made by percussion on metals, woods, skins, stones, terracotta. Six. Voices of animals and people, shouts, screams, groans, howls, wails, laughs, wheezes, sobs. Now, I, I, I can kind of see, I don't know, wails, laughs, wheezes, and sobs. You're happy with six. To do with snorts and hisses and whistles. I, mean, I don't know what the fundamental difference between those is, but... Hey, Thomas, give us a sound, and then I'll tell you which <laughs> instrument it is. Yeah, no, are you sure that you could tell apart... Uh, <coughs> could you tell apart uh, a rustle uh, from a murmur? Well, of course, firstly. But remember, it's not a murmur that's done by the voice, because that's in six. Right, you're right. Because that would be from that. So, uh, so I want uh, a murmur uh, uh, from a... Uh, let us know, listeners, which of these is which. That's a flopple. It's a flopple. Is that under the etc? <laughs> it is under etc. But it, yes. no, you'll see some more. So already you, you've got these as very... You'll see, this is what I meant by I don't think it's worth a lot because they're no, so were, general. As you were saying, it's, it's almost like uh, like wine, like tasting notes that some company wants to sell you on a, on a wine or a coffee. You know? And then just to compound the problems around this, uh, if we then consult the Caroline, uh, Caroline Tisdall's translation, I was thinking, well, hold on. 
I mean, we're limited by how many words we've got, and r- roughly a lot of these look synonymous mm-hmm. uh, in English. We can try and invent some new ones. But I wonder if in different translations they in, uh, translate them differently. So in this one, the Lawrence Rainey, under three, we've got murmurs, uh, whispers, mutters, buzzes, etc. Whereas in Caroline Tizzle's, it's whispers, murmurs, mumbles, grumbles. So she, trans- she translates a buzz as a grumble. And then also, to make it worse, in her list of four, she uses buzzes. In her fourth family, she uses buzzes. Instead of Rainey, who uses, thro- uh, who uses throbs instead of buzzes. Well, throbs and buzzes, you know, very similar. It, well, really, they're different families, according... Yeah, no, they're very different. Yeah. So, yeah, I did roughly try to look at how to distinguish them. I think the first family is roughly sort of mm-hmm. baser, darker, sure. heavier. The second is light, sharp, and piercing. Third seems blunt and dull, but somehow it has to be different from bass, dark, and heavy. The fourth seemed medium, sharp, and piercing. Mm-hmm. Well, screech is versus a whistle or a hiss. I thought that's the best I could do. And then, and then five is percussion, and then six is voice. Yeah. So I think that's about... What do you think of those? There's a rough one. Well, just to trying. come back to buzzes and throbs, yep. I feel that if you slow buzzes down enough, they would become throbs. So Ooh. they have a point. Um, I see because of how I'm, cru- uh, you know, creening over your. That's not a right word. That's not a word. Looking over uh, into Aaron's computer. You're ogling it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I guess I am. Oh, I feel so wrong. Uh, there is always, as with a note, a predominant rhythm, and then there is a question mark written around that. Yes, I was uh, not sure whether he meant. Because there is this, you could conceptualize frequency as just some sort of regular rhythm, because it's vibrations. Um, and I was not sure whether he was meaning that or something that, I don't know, when an engine starts, you would have the... That also has some sort of rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. Um, read the preceding line, because this is in... Read the whole thing. The whole thing, oof. Just, No, just the preceding line. You mean from the rhythmic? Yes, please. Okay, so the rhythmic movements of a noise are infinite. Full stop. Thank you. There is always, (laughs) as with a note, a predominant rhythm. But around this, there are many other secondary rhythms that can be perceived. Right, so do you think that the preceding line helps? Because in Tisdor's translation, it's the rhythmic movements of a noise. Sorry, I'll take that again. The rhythmic movements of a noise are infinite, semicolon, just as with a tone, there is always a predominant rhythm. So the semicolon there changes... Sorry, what am I talking about? Why am I keep saying, <laughs> I keep saying semicolon all the time. I mean colon. What am I saying? Ah, oh, apologies. But yeah, uh, it's colon. Um, uh, 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 just as with that. So she actually thinks that this is... The grammar change there. Does that help with the rhythmic movements of a noise are infinite? So, as with a noise, a predominant rhythm. Meh. No, it's <laughs> but it is a significant change mm-hmm. in the grammar of it. Sure, but yes, I mean you just change the scale, so you could take two like particles of noises. Let's put it that way, mm-hmm. and place them like at this time and from a hundred years from now, and then place them this time and just um, thousands of a millisecond from now. Mm-hmm. That's like that's an infinite scale, obviously. So with either of these works, whether it's meaning frequency as in that really, really minuscule change 
that would change your perception of the pitch or whether that's more substantial and that would just um, what you would call in everyday language rhythm um, like a beating of a drum, let's say. I think he, in the fourth um, declaration where he says, mm. since every noise has a general predominating tone among its irregular vibrations, a sufficiently wide variety of tones, semitones and quarter tones will be easily attained in constructing the instruments that imitate it. Mm. This, to me, suggests that he means the pitch here, mm. uh, which would be the fundamental frequency, but could be interpreted either way. Yeah, because when he goes to, I've always taken four as actually it's uh, he's because he wants an following Pratella wants an atonal uh, chromatic scale. So actually, it has to. It's, we're not just looking at twelve tones anymore. We're not even looking at twenty-four or it's 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 infinite at that point. He's looking for a, a, basically a slide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that that could be what he means here, and then infinite makes sense in the way like. There is no discrete um, steps in this slide. Um, that was a nice conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> how how should we kind of evaluate this um, this manifesto? What what did we think? What did we like? Do, uh, uh, this comes out after um, the first music manifesto we did, right? This after comes out after the first two. After yes. the first two, the Pratella the Pratella manifesto. Would you like a very very brief? Uh, recap of what the main points were from those first two very quickly. Very, very quickly. Yes. So in the first one, just to see so we can actually see where is Rousselot's innovation here. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, In the the first uh, uh, Manifesto of Futurist Musicians written by Pratella, who uh, uh, Rousselot is now writing to, declarations one to five are just the standard hating academies, don't go into competitions, hate the past... Six uh, and seven were, you know, uh, criticising well-made music and the the relevance of the singer. Sorry, the the, uh, uh, leadership of the singer. Mm -hmm. Eight was about the opera libretta. Uh, Nine to ten was about ballads and Neapolitan music, so general stuff. Eleven was about actually trying to have a connection with the audience and making them hate the past. And so that was the original one. Then in the technical which got very serious, we had, that was the melody as a synthesis of harmony and the single atonal chromatic scale. Mm-hmm. We also had, you know, in, uh, introducing the concept of enharmony, skipping a forward to four now, uh, just because we'll do selections. He introduces polyphony mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, the, wants to use the full dynamic aspects of the orchestra. So in that sense, I think that this manifesto is most similar to an expansion of the fifth declaration of the technical, which is he want, uh, Pratella wanted to make use of all the dynamic aspects of the orchestra. He thinks or thought that it wasn't being utilized sufficiently. Rousselot is now going further and going, you won't do it. Even if you mm-hmm. use everything there, you have to go a bit further. Mm-hmm. And uh, then skipping ahead again, nine goes back to the libretto and 11 was about attributes of nature. So really, uh, uh, you know, the technical one was introducing these strong concepts of melody and in harmony and polyphony, and then otherwise just pushing the orchestra. So I think we can see, would you agree that as, out of that brief recap, it mm. seems most similar to an expansion of the fifth? Yes, but... Yeah. I mean, also it's interesting because he wants to bring in these new timbers and qualities yep. of sound. Um, and I guess 
where the futurist aspect comes in is that he hopes these from technological advancements rather than using instruments already there and making, well, new use of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it was Penderecki who did in Trinity, where they kind of just pulled some leather globs on strings and it sounded terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's also how they made the sound of Godzilla in the original Godzilla movies. It was just a, wow. it was a string and some leather gloves pulled over the... Horrifying. Yeah. So, but yeah, again, he turns to, to machinery. Um, and back to the point, yes, I agree. It's, it's, it's really similar to the fifth... Well, that seems the closest to what we've had before. But then, so uh, how would we summarize the innovation? In some ways, when I've recapped it like that, we were so impressed with, especially the technical one, Mm -hmm. in terms of its, uh, uh, you know, uh, description of melody as a synthesis of harmony and uh, singulator, etc., etc. That was really great. But I think in this one, it's just trying to push forward the idea of these new noise-based instruments and noise sound. That does seem that seems most futurist, doesn't it? Also, I guess Pratella, not himself being a musician. Well, he was, I guess. So Pratella is the musician. Sorry, sorry. Uh, um, um, Russolo. 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 Sorry, yeah. Uh, Russolo, in not being a musician, uh, it, it doesn't bother with the technicalities really, almost at all, um, and therefore reaches a much broader audience, and that's why that's likely the. That's the manifesto that's really remembered um, and has the kind of breadth and influence, as opposed to Pradelas, which is perhaps more radical and advanced, I mean, makes a bigger departure um, in a way, whereas this one just kind of builds on it. No? So I think he, he, takes, he takes concepts of futurism to music to the masses, I think is, but Ooh, is, that's a great. is what he did. Um, great reference here to Depeche Mode's album <laughs> Music for the Masses which also is sampling and sounds of machinery so yeah, great perfect there is a band called Art of Noise there is yeah. yeah but yeah no so we, we think that uh, it's a difference between noise sound and music sound or pure sound Noise sound, why does he want to put it forward? It's got a more interesting timbre. It's got this dominant sound and an infinite variety of secondary tones. Other than that, it's just about creation of new music, pleasure, failure of the orchestra, not mimetic. Let your creativity run. Oops. I mean, in any other podcast, Mm. we'd have to get rid of that, but because it's the art of noises. Oh, wonderful. Look at that. Would you like to say the original title for this? I'm not sure if you can hear John Cage 433 in the background. Oh. Uh On a loop. Oh, there we go. (laughs) L'arte dei rumori? Yep, that was the original Mm -hmm. Italian. But I guess we also should mention that, like, it is is pretty pretty violent um, because it it, it does, in a way, attack um, Pratella, right? I mean, if he does call... The orchestral music really boring, um, and the, there's this great need for these new noise machines. Yeah, but so Patel's, I think Patella's in on it though. I think yeah, he's, he's in on it. I don't but know whether he ever took it. We were struggling to find, you know, whether pure this... noise stuff of his. Uh, the, yeah, the the yeah. And this mm. is a letter addressed to Pratella directly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, but it is a commission. He's saying, like, "Oh, please, I'm not the musician. Can you do this?" Please? Oh, yes. But also, he's saying, "Oh, I'm not the musician." 
but your field desperately needs innovation, lest it kill yeah. the people. Well, who are perhaps it's, to it. we didn't but say Aaron's, this at the start. Uh, Aaron's nodding quite vehemently. Oh, I sorry. just agree. But yeah. no, yeah, to build on that point, I, I feel yeah, Prachalas was more kind of a handbook to musicians mm -hmm. what to do. This one is just taking music out there. Um, so yeah, again, music for the masses. Mm -hmm. It's more like from an engineering standpoint. As you, in, yeah. Well, because he cool, introduces cool. these new noise machines. I oh. know that he only like mentions them a couple of times and we've barely quoted, but that's because he doesn't actually say too much, but he just says, yeah, if you've got a rotary one, mm -hmm. for instance, you just speed it up or slow yeah, it but down. It's not, I mean, I'd, I'd say the other one is more And we have to remember, if you, if you type in, you know, uh, uh, Luigi Russolo, Art of Noises, and go on to images, you know, or whatever platform you go on, you will see these, these very famous, these boxes with what looks like these horns sticking out of them. And those were these rotten noise machines. And I think that's what he's known for. I mean, think of when he says, like, we want these abrasive dissonant sounds and these new sounds. By the time you get to something like the 19th, it's like 75 and 76, when you get to, um, like, the Sex Pistols, you know, you actually have the introduction of anti-singing, Johnny Rotten's mm -hmm. anti-vocal. And even on, like, o o Oasis albums, like, actually, yeah, on the first two in particular... Like metal machine music and... Well, I was thinking, on the first stuff, two yeah. Oasis albums, you actually get these occasional uh, uh, little interludes uh, uh, between songs, or at the very beginning of songs, where they'll play snippets of either another song, or uh, almost as if it was t recorded from another room, or like of a little bit of the outside, uh, like Noel playing a guitar on a, on a, on a, uh, a wall. and sure, just sure, sure. So you get sure. these random little sounds Samples. just introduced yeah. in. So I think you do actually get an interest in trying to force in these new sounds. But I guess you, we can't say that it's completely down to people like Ruslow, certainly not, because we've got Tchaikovsky's canon. Yeah. Also, I read somewhere that it was actually a kind of a practice even before Tchaikovsky that they would use mm. cannons or rifles, um, I guess especially for like military music uh, and marching bands. So yeah, but, but yeah, I, I feel like this manifesto did more to music today than Pratella's work. Um, probably because it's just a more plain explanation of what he's onto or something that anybody could understand when reading this and don't need to worry about what chromatism or achromatism for <laughs> the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sure. Well, I think, I think that's uh, a good place to wrap up. A good place to wrap up. Thank you very much, Aaron, for being with us today. Again, this is I, our third music one. Yeah. How's it been? Has it been eye-opening, looking at all three of these? Yes, even though I only looked at two of these, but... No, this is the third. No, this, this is the third. I wasn't here for the first um, one. We yeah. did the... Ah, that's I, true. I listened to I it, so... <laughs> Yeah, this is true. Well, thank you very much for listening. Mm. Um, as always, you can find ways to support the podcast in the description down below. And... Uh, our intro music is by Aaron Genge. Thank you very much for listening.